The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 46, 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I'm going to invite you to keep your Bible open for three reasons. The first is I want us to continue worshiping. I want us to worship together over this text and exult together in this text. Second is I want you to be able to see what I see in the text. So when I when I say, look at verse 4 or 5, I want you to be able to, to look and to see where I'm getting things from. And the third reason is, I believe that you're going to need to know where Psalm 46 is in your Bible at some point in your life. And I want you to be able to have a bookmark there or know where it's at, so that way when everything breaks around you, you can go to, go to the 46. So let's pray together for the Lord's help. So here we are, Father. In this moment, continuing into worship, needing you, needing you to come and be our refuge. Show us where you're at, that you are for us, not against us, in ways that strengthen us and empower us and help us. So, Father, as I'm singing over this text, I'm praying that you would help us, help our minds to be here and to think and worship you in our minds, then also help our hearts to be able to be engaged by this text, and the worship would go into our hearts, and it would be united with faith. So thank you, Father, for drawing near to us. In Jesus' name, amen. On August 31st, 1996, the ground beneath me just gave out, and it broke I was 16 years old, and my 43-year-old father died one Saturday morning of a heart attack. And I had a lot of people that were able to cry with me then, but they couldn't help the hopelessness that I felt because I wasn't a Christian. And when I looked at this, there was no meaning, no purpose. I couldn't understand why this happened. Then three years later, the Lord overcome my unbelief and my sin, and I met Jesus, who he conquered death. And I had a, I had a moment where hope broke in, and I understood 
But then, now we can fast forward 24 years. And after he's called me to do this, to stand before people and proclaim the hope, I've had 24 years of ministry where seven years of ministry as a senior pastor, conflict after conflict, hearts just wounded from church hurt. Four years on the mission field with an abusive organization. And I know the pain that comes from Christians wounding you. I understand that even when you have hope, the valleys can be deep and they can be dark. The difference is now I have Psalm 46, and so I know where to go. When I'm having doubts like, how are we going to have strength to make it? Why is all this happening? Has God lost control? This is the text that God declares to me, He reigns and He will never abandon us. He will be exalted, and that's the best news in the world. So I want you to see that from this text this morning in three ways. First, I want you to see God exalted in His creation in the first three verses. Then I want you to see God exalted in His city, verses 4 through 7. And then God exalted in His creatures, 8 through 11. So first, let's, let's look at God exalted in His creation. Look at uh, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, say law. The whole point of this psalm is that no matter what happens, God's people can be fearless and joyful. But that joy doesn't come apart from struggle. Because in this, this text, God's people are in trouble. They, they could fear. The whole psalm points out that they're, they're under siege. The church isn't on the offensive. They're on the defensive. They're, the church is bloodied. It's beaten. And it just knows that if it can just get under the wing of God, we can make it. Look at verse 1 and, and see how the, the refuge is being talked about. God is our refuge and strength. Our refuge and strength. Now, that's for you this morning. You can say, as the church, He's my refuge and strength. When I lack the strength, when I lack the help, He is my help and strength. But that's not exactly what the text says, is it? It doesn't say He's my refuge and strength. It says He's our and I think as, as Americans, we can miss that, the communal aspect of being the church. He's not just my Savior. He's, he's our Savior. He's not just my refuge. He's, he's our refuge. This is important because a common refuge, it creates community. You know who your people are. Oh, you take refuge in him too. I didn't know that. I didn't think we had anything in common. No, we have everything in common because we have a common refuge. The church that refuges together, it stays together. The first few moments, months of our marriage, we, um, we were in Orlando, Florida. And what we realized in Orlando, Florida is that you could quickly find out the two different communities in Orlando. 
those who were from Orlando and the tourists in Orlando. Because almost every day, without fail, around the afternoon, all the people that were from Orlando scattered. And then the tourists were left. Why that was important is because the bottom would just drop out and it would just start raining. And you would think, Lord, it's another, it's another ark, it's a flood, we're not going to make it, we're not going to survive. And so the people from Orlando, they're just refuging. And then what are the tourists doing? They're buying ponchos. And the people from Orlando know this, this is just going to pass. Give it about 10 minutes and it's going to go away. But the tourists are trying not to have their, um, their vacation destroyed. So the community, they know where, they know where the refuge is, and they know we don't need a poncho. We just, we just need the refuge for just a few minutes. Our identity is revealed in the fact that we refuge. The church refuges together, and that's who we are as a community. Knowing where to refuge, it reveals what you're trusting in. Where do you, where do you go when the storm clouds come? Do you, do you refuge with your community of refuging Christians or do you, do you, do you go to, to your poncho? I've got my good looks. I've got my career. I've got my degrees. I've got good health, good retirement plan. And as long as I stay underneath this poncho, I don't, I don't have to worry about the storm. It's not going to... It's not going to ruin the vacation of my life because I got my, my poncho. Do you have anybody in your life that will tap you on the shoulder when you're in your poncho and say, this isn't just a 10-minute downpour. There's a hurricane coming, and that poncho is about to blow away. For me, my poncho was my family. As long as I had mom and dad safe and secure, and then it blew away, and I saw the, the storm of death, and I didn't know what to do. And I want you to know what to do. We need a community that refuges together, and that's the church. You need someone in your life, and I know it's difficult in a large church. This isn't a Christ Pres problem that you feel like you don't know people and they don't know you. This is just a large church problem. You need to, to know people so that way when the storm comes and we're all refuging together, we look and say, where's Tim? Tim's supposed to be here. Where's Anne? And then she's stuck in the storm and, and we go out and we bring them back. You've got to have people that know you and know each other so that way you can support one another because that's who we are as people. We're the refuging people. We're a group of people who can just disagree about so much and yet know where to refuge together, and that's what creates our, our unity as a people. We're people who refuge in God, in Christ, and that's our unity. Now, this text says that this refuge, this strength, isn't, isn't far away when needed. It says it's a very present help in trouble. Very present. So it's not like God has to, ah, I didn't know they needed me help right then. I, I, I was supposed to be there. No. He's very, very present in that moment. And so he just says, I'm here. Just turn to me. You're in trouble. Come to me. You don't have to go find me. I'm already 
hear. God doesn't bail when trouble comes. He, he leans in even closer. And not only is he very close in times of trouble, he's very active help and strength in those times. He's the, he's the one that never leaves, never forsakes you in your trouble, in your pain, and is one that gets you through it. Now, verse 2, it says, We can't live in this world without feeling danger and fighting fear. Because there's two things that are in chaos around us. The earth and then the sea. He talks about the earth as this kind of unchangeable, indestructible thing, right? You don't wake up one morning and think, well, I hope the, hope the earth is going to be there today. We just assume. And then when it's not, what do we do? And the same thing with the sea. Out of nowhere, the storm comes and it overthrows the mountains. And fear is that feeling of not being able to control hurricanes and tornadoes and Arctic cold and earthquakes and tidal waves. But we shouldn't fear any of those. And what's crazy about that is, is the psalmist goes further than that. He doesn't say we shouldn't fear. What does he say? We, we will not fear. We, we will not fear. Though these things rage against us. Um, there's, there's a transition between verses 1 and 2 with the word therefore. And by having that word therefore there, what he's showing is that faith is rational and fear is irrational. Faith isn't some kind of closing my eyes, I'm about to take this blind leap, I hope there's a God out there. It's, no, there's a God who's revealed himself as faithful in his word and has made specific promises. So faith is trusting in a trustworthy God for his promises. So what's the promise in the end of verse 1? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So do you believe that? that? The whole point of this sermon this morning is to get you to believe that. That's it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. If you believe that, Therefore, this is a logical proposition, it's the inference, what's coming is the inference, therefore we will not fear. If you believe that, then fear is irrational. It doesn't say you shouldn't fight fear, but how do you fight fear? With the promise, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So because God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, based on this, if you're trusting in this, you, you will not fear. So we can be fearless in spite of the terror of creation because we know God has not lost control. He's not lost control of nature. He says to waters, this far, no further. He says to mountains, move. He says to creation, be still. Remember when Jesus was asleep in the, in the um, boat? Storm comes out of nowhere on the sea. Wake up. Don't you care? We're dying. Be still. And what happens? Woof. Obeys. Creation serves him. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, the seas and all deeps. It says in Psalm 135, 6. So mountains may quake, 
But faith rests on a firm foundation, on the very nature of God himself. So we don't have to fear, even if there's a tsunami a thousand miles high, because nothing can separate us from him. He controls the uncontrollable. He is exalted in his creation. He's also exalted in his city. Look at verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. So in the midst of this turbulent creation, God's the refuge and strength of his, of his people. But what does the refuge look like? It's a little surprising. He talks about a city. Why not a castle? Why not a fortress? It's just a city. That's what he talks about. I'm, I'm the refuge, and it looks like a city here. It's a city whose foundations, whose designer and builder is God. It's a heavenly city. It's a city that he's not ashamed to be the defender and the God of. But you would think that if he's at least going to talk about it like a city, he would at least be say, able to say, the city has amazing walls. The city is like from wall to wall with this massive army. Or look at this armament. But when he talks about the city, what, is he, what does he talk about? A river and who's there? Isn't that interesting? There is a river flowing into the city of God. It's the river of gladness. This is a game changer for me. Forget some kind of eternal quest for youth, right? Because you can be young and miserable. Like, I'm, I'm on a quest for happiness. I want a fountain of happiness. What does this refuge have? It has an entire river dedicated to gladness. So that way you're not tempted in the middle of the storm to leave the refuge. Just drink of the gladness, drink of the joy, drink of the, drink of the happiness, and stay there. He's promised in Psalm 1611, I will make known to you the path of life. In my presence there is fullness of joy. At my right hand are pleasures forever. And it's this God who makes this city his habitation that creates the joy. It's joy in him. The city is consecrated to his praise. It's glorified by his presence. And it's built for your joy. In verse 5, it says that you can see something when morning dawns. What do you see when morning dawns? You see the God who stayed up all night looking over the city to protect her that he didn't move. Daddy, you stay with me till I fall asleep? Yeah. You wake up, he's still there. And he's not tired. He's not rubbing his eyes. And then what happens the next night? He's still there. Next night, still there. In your 90s, 95, Last thing you see, still there. First thing you see when you die, still there. He wants you to know I'm there. Look, just 
five times, just in, in verses four through seven, five times he, he points out, this is my city and I'm there. So there's a river and I'm there. Verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So he wants you to know he's taken his stand with us. So when the wars of this age come and nations rage and kingdoms totter, there's nothing that can move his city. doesn't matter what type of atomic bombs are dropped. The city doesn't move. doesn't move. It's not scratched. Because he's in the midst of her and he will not allow her to be moved. So not only is God exalted in his creation, he's exalted in his city. And the last thing I want you to see is God exalted in his creatures. Look at verses 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Now, he, he calls us to come and look, but it's not really a pretty scene that he tells us to come and look at. What do we see? We look out of our refuge, we see the world breaking apart. We see raging nations, we see tottering kingdoms, we see desolations, we see wars, we see broken bows, shattered spears, burning chariots. And apart from the refuge of the gospel, that's what my life looks like. Just brokenness. A battlefield of broken hearts, broken vows, broken relationships, broken spirits, broken homes. The chaos of your life is so loud. And what you need to hear in this moment is be still and know that I am God. Have you ever had that awkward moment when you're at a family reunion or you're trying to get a meeting started and everyone's having such a good time talking that you're trying to get their attention or someone up front's trying to get their attention and no one hears them. Like, if I can get your attention and they just keep talking and no one can hear. Like, there's two or three people kind of, they see you and they're like, I don't know what to do. They're not listening. That never happens with God. He just whispers, be still. And hush of silence. And then... What do you see? You see Jesus. Be quiet. Listen to my son. Be quiet. See my son. You've tried to build your life, and all you've been able to build on your own is desolation. Isolation. Starvation. You feel broken. You feel alone. Or you just don't feel satisfied. And so in this moment, all of the tumultuous loudness of life, God just wants to, wants to hear, be still, 
and just look at my son. My son, who has died for all of the sin that caused all of the brokenness in our lives, he takes on himself on the cross and says, that's my sin. And when you enter the the city, that stays outside the city, or at least stays on the sun. But he also lived a life of perfect righteousness. Because of that, God declared over him, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. He's perfectly obedient. And when we receive him, we don't just receive forgiveness, we receive his righteousness. So that way, when God looks at us, what does he see? The righteousness of his son, and he's pleased with us, and he loves us, and the floodgates of joy are ours. There is nothing more satisfying than the undestructible knowledge that God is for you and pleased with you, and that's what God offers to us in the gospel. So just turn from your poncho and go to the refuge. Why would you you want the poncho that's going to blow away? When you've got a refuge that yearns to accept you and receive you and give you joy. Be still. Know that I'm God. Stop the, stop the fighting. Trust me. Now, there's a word here that I haven't even, even touched on that you may be wondering what it means. And it kind of highlights this a little bit. It's the word selah. Now, this is a song And so that's interesting because it's not just a text that inspired Martin Luther to write A Mighty Fortress of Our God that we sang a minute ago. It it is a song in itself. You see it in verse 1? To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamot, a song. And so at the end of each section, you have this word selah. And no one knows what it means. I don't know what it means. But the best guess is that it's some kind of Musical refrain, rest here. And it's interesting, it comes at the end of each section, just, just rest and pause. And so as I'm trying to figure out what in the world Selah means, I ran upon this quote by C.H. Spurgeon, which I think is helpful. He writes, In the midst of such a hurly-burly, the music may well come to a pause, both to give the singers breath and ourselves time for meditation. We are in no hurry, but can sit us down and wait while earth dissolves and mountains rock and oceans roar. Ours is not the headlong rashness which passes for courage. We can calmly confront the danger and meditate upon terror, dwelling on its separate items and united forces. The pause is not an exclamation of dismay, but merely a rest in music. We do not suspend our song in alarm, but retune our harps with a deliberation amidst the tumult of the storm. It were well if all of us could say, say la under tempestuous trials, but too often we speak in our haste with a rude crash and mar the melody of our life song. Thank you. God for C.H. Spurgeon. Hmm. Christians don't just survive the storm. They sing in the midst of the storm. They say la in the storm. They drink from a river of their gladness, for their gladness, in the midst of a storm. 
Now, I could stop there, but there's, there's one more question I want to answer. I don't want anyone going away with, with this question and answer it is. The question from verse 10. Verse, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The question I don't want you to leave wondering is, is that loving? Is it loving for God to say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Is that loving for God to exalt himself? If I'm on an airplane and I'm having a medical emergency and I guess the stewardess or the flight attendants still do these things. They get on there, it's like, is there a medical doctor on the plane? We have a, a medical emergency. I don't want a humble doctor in that moment. I want a doctor that races and stands up and says, I am a doctor, I can help him. I want this doctor to kind of elbow people out of the way and get to me. At no point during my medical emergency or afterwards am I going to say, look at this doctor. Just drawing attention that he's a doctor. You know that when the need is greatest, the most loving thing for someone that can help is to stand up and say, I can help. Let me help. So it is loving for the only refuge in this world to stand up and exalt himself and say, I can help you. I can save you. Come to me. His exaltation is an act of love. And this God who exalts himself to save you is among us. The Lord of hosts is among us. The God of Jesus is our fortress. Selah. So Father, we desperately need you to be our refuge, be our strength, to be our help. And the scariest moment right now is that some of us don't realize that, Father. They think that we have a poncho that, that shelters us in the storm, and we're good. And I'm just pleading, Father, that the ponchos would just be blown away. And that instead of looking to the storm and feeling the fear, we would look to you in faith and drink of the river of gladness, knowing that you are for us and not against us. In Jesus' name, amen.